0: What I believe is having some sort of identity will enable that digital inclusion.
1: Earlier this year I turned 40 and I wanted to do something meaningful alongside all of the celebrating. I decided to ask my community to support me in helping an underprivileged community and give them a small yet transformative boost. This is how the Rainbow Boosters project was born. In sharing the idea with people, I realized that we all know of a teacher, a family member, a friend, an author, a singer, that's made a profound impact on our life. I wanted to create a space where we could share those stories. So welcome to the Rays of Sunshine series. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking to someone that I used to work with, Gautam Hazari. Gautam is a technology enthusiast and a futurist. He is currently the Chief Technology Officer at Secura Mobile Intelligence, the global leader for mobile identity services. He has had success in leading and delivering large scale projects across the world in digital identity, blockchain, payment solutions, 5G security, cybersecurity, and is recognized as a true leader, an innovator and a change maker. Gotham absolutely believes in humanizing the technology world and is passionate about making our real life and our digital life a safer place to live. I had the pleasure of working with him for about three years and can honestly say he's one smart cookie. Hi them, how are you?
0: Excellent. Great to meet you again, Pritesh. Uh, Great to talk to you. I'm good. Thank you. How are you?
1: Yeah, doing really well. Thank you so much for for taking some time out to talk to me on this series. I want to get straight into it. This is all about rays of sunshine, right? So, can you tell me who was your ray of sunshine? Who is the person, the teacher that's had the biggest impact on your life, and how do you think they shaped your future?
0: Thanks, Pritesh. I don't think I have told this thing to anyone, actually. Uh, I was just thinking through when he said that, right? I think it was um, 86 or to 88 as my uh, teenage. And as it happens, right, you um, try to create or you try to identify your identity, right? Yeah. And then everything feels like it's, something is not right, right? Uh, there were probably a bit of anger inside me. I was complaining a lot. And um, at that time, of course, there was no email. So I was uh, mentioning this uh, to my uncle. So basically my uh, mother's uh, brother, his name was uh, Subrotho. It's written as Subrata, which means uh, devoted to the right things. He was the most brilliant and thoughtful person I have ever seen in my life, right? So uh, after almost a month, he wrote me a letter. Uh, I still remember it was eight pages. Of course, there was no email or anything. Um, And he basically started with saying, you know what, in life, there are four positions you need to think of. I am okay, you are okay. I am okay, you are not okay. I am not okay, you are okay and I am not okay, and you're not okay. And he said that this is not something that I have invented. He said that, let me introduce you to the Canadian born psychiatrist, Eric Byrne. So he said that this is something, and I had no interest in psychiatrist, psychiatry or psychology, right? But he said that um, uh, he, he created something called transaction analysis. He said that you need to think uh, in a way that there are two entities interacting, whatever is the situation. You think that everything is wrong. You think that maybe there is some you know, problem in you. Maybe you need to identify yourself with the problem or the solution. But what you need to think is, there are two entities, right? When you say, I am okay, and then you, you can be anything or anyone. You can be a person, you can be a situation, you can be a problem, you can be the system, you can be society, you can be parents. Your goal is there is only one permanent state, which is the healthiest state, which is I am okay, you are okay. So your goal is to find out the position where you are in. So, and then he asked me, maybe figure out where you are in, right? Is it, I am not okay, you are not okay, you is the system, everything around you. If that is the case, that's the worst case situation. And that's the hopeless situation, right? So you need to just remember, that that situation is temporary. If it is, I am okay. You are not okay. You are a bit arrogant, right? You think that you are the best one, and everyone around is, you know, not not that good. Still, that's a temporary situation. If you think I am not okay, you are okay, then you are getting a bit into a depression. You are, you know, getting depressed again. That's a temporary situation. Figure out a way to go to the only permanent situation, which is I am okay, you are okay, and that has actually changed my life. I still, you know, use it. But I never realized that what he was telling me was that was the first lesson to me about identity. Right. So he was actually defining identity for me, right? And then basically I wrote an article recently uh, where I said that what are the principles of identity, for example. And I now I realize that those principles were actually derived from there, right? Identity is plural, it's all contextual and so on. And the other very important thing there from who was my, I, I used to call it mama. There was a humanized approach there, right? Because when I was saying that, you know, um, I was not blaming a person. I was blaming, you know, the college. I was blaming society. I was blaming the uh, problems. They're not humans. But he was saying that treat them as you. You humanize them, then deal with it. And then the other thing I did, I realized very late that he was not just telling me that it's possible. He was not even, you know, questioning it. He was saying, find a way to go to the I am okay, you are okay state. So he was saying that, don't even think that, can I believe it? Is it possible? He was saying, do it, go to that state, right? So he was humanizing it. It was full of hope, right? That's what he was saying. That uh, All these things are temporary. Go to that I am okay, you are okay state. And then that's about it. So he is my ray of sunshine. Not just that, you know, I was saying it was an eight page later, right? Another very important thing that he mentioned is um, uh, he created a distinction between intelligence and creativity. And then the angle was absolutely brilliant, right? He used the angle of freedom. He said that forget about intelligence, forget about creativity. What do you think about freedom? I said, you know, that's that's kind of the most important thing. He said then, okay, good. So you establish freedom is important. Now he said that intelligence is great but it doesn't bring in freedom. I couldn't understand, I said, what is it? Then he explained in there that, you know, he said that when someone asks you a question, right? Your answer could be simple. Your answer could be brilliant. You can actually spell out intelligence in there but are you really free in answering that? Because if someone is asking you a question about quantum mechanics, or someone is asking what is your name, right? You cannot tell your edge. Yeah. So you can be intelligent, but there are boundaries to that answer. You are not free, right? That's intelligence. But someone who is asking question, they are not bound to it. They're creating the question. There is no boundary to it. They're free to ask whatever they want. So asking question is about creativity. So he said that creativity has more degrees of freedom. That's a term used in uh, physics as well. Yes. So in that case, try to be creative than intelligent because when you're creative, you're much more. And that has stayed with me uh, forever. So he was the ray of sunshine. And then whatever was there in that eight page later is what I'm doing now. So there was a element of hope, that's what I do. And then I have translated that hope into solution. That's what I do, right? I find out solutions because I always believe there is a solution, whether it's a technical challenge, whether it's, you know, some sort of business challenge. So that has come from that hope that he wrote in that letter. And also very importantly, I talk about humanization of technology. That came from the same letter because he gave a humanization solution to problems. So I am okay. You are okay that you was humanized. That's what I do now. So, yeah.
1: That's incredible. That is such a a perfect example of what a ray of sunshine is. That eight page letter, which was written with love and guidance and support, has cr- completely molded who you are. Knowing all the different strands of how you interact, you know the reason you're called an innovator in those spaces is because you approach things with creativity, and you just shared why that's possible and and why you you know you are where you are as a result um I absolutely love that thank you so much for sharing that and um yeah I hope that I got the sense that in reflection you also felt a, a rejuvenation of your soul in telling that story because it kind of clicked back in for you where it started
0: absolutely Pritesh uh thanks a lot for giving this opportunity and then as I said I have never shared this thing with anyone before and then yeah I just lived back all those uh all those days and then the other thing that happened is when I was thinking through that, I could relate to almost everything that I'm doing now and I have done, including all these identity journey. It's it's actually that was shaped uh, the day I read that letter. Actually,
1: it just gives me so much um, hope. And you talked about hope, but I, I you know I'm a big believer of needing hope. It gives me so much hope for what small effort that we do and potentially could have. Uh, and such a big impact on on others as we do this project. So thank you. Um, I just want to carry on down this route a little bit because of influence you shared before we started recording about some of the work that you're supporting um, with some of the children in slums and how they've, you know, they can and have been caught in their environment and society, but with a bit of support, a bit of teaching, access to mobile phones, um, You know, some of them are now performing at such a high level of education. Can you just talk us through that and share with that? Because I think it's a real good example of another application of of what a little bit of support, a little bit of advice can really do for somebody.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, Pritesh. Many of us uh, came from uh, India to work uh, decades back. And then we always wanted to give back because we cannot forget our humble you know uh, beginnings and um, we were probably lucky that we got that opportunity uh, to come down and then do things what um, we like to do and we are good at as well. But there are we we realized that there are lots of other small kids they are bright, okay they have um, they have capabilities, but the thing that they lack of are uh, for I mean examples, simple examples where, they can see that it's it's achievable because what they're seeing around is some of the slum kids, um, they're bright, but they don't see um, they don't see the way of Shenzhen, yeah. right? They're just trapped inside. So what we started to do was, and, and it's great that one of one of our friends' friend, um, uh, he's also an engineer, but what he started to do was he used to visit around those slums, just talk to these small kids. And then what he did was, and this is this is actually, this is something that's um, that I believe is important of, again, it's related to the humanization of technology, mm-hmm. because uh, the technology is for the humans, not other way around. Uh, one thing that has happened in India is um, the government is doing a lot of work on uh, digital inclusion because that's extremely important uh, through the Digital India Initiative. And there are a lot, many uh, private sector guys who are doing things as well. So uh, mobile phone, and again, that's where I am uh, linked to uh, as well. Mobile phone is a survival tool in countries like India and also in sub-Saharan Africa, where um, the mobile phone is the window to the digital ecosystem. So the first time many of, um, you know, such kids are uh, getting into the internet or the digital space is through mobile phone. It's not only mobile first, it's mobile only, right? And then that helps. So what we try to do is these small kids, somehow they have mobile phone. Uh, And then not as a luxury item because that's their survival thing. So some of them, for example, are doing, um, there is a food delivery service very popular in India. It's called Swiggy, for example. They do food deliveries right? Whenever they can get some earn some small money. for that, they need a mobile phone. Uh, so that's their survival kit. It's their you know tool for doing their uh, work. So anyway, so what we started to do uh, was just spend half an hour of our time and to share our story, not give you know complicated big lectures, but share our story. Mm-hmm. What we did, Uh, And now, where we are, where we are right now. So that gives them an example, a point in space and time where they can see it's possible, right. And then we have seen that that's making a real impact. These guys are definitely getting uh, more and more motivated. Um, They are not uh, losing hope. There, uh, because education is an enabler, is a tool for them. So they are continuing their education because what we heard is many of the guys were um, they were de- getting demotivated and not continuing their education because they thought, oh, what will happen? Nothing, nothing is achievable. So now they are continuing their education, and some of them they have actually gone to some premium uh, engineering institutes now, so they can see. Of splash of light, not just rays of sunshine. Yeah. So I'm really, really, you know, uh, proud of the things that's happening there.
1: When I was thinking back to your story about the letter from your mama, I was thinking, how do we make those connections in such a noisy digital world now? Right? You get an email from somebody, you get a message. It doesn't connect in the same way. You know, you try and send a video message or a voice note to have that same impact, and actually what you're doing, what you're talking about there, the way to do the modern day version of that eight-page letter is to sit with people and tell them and make it personal for them and share with them what their opportunities and dreams can be in reality. And I guess that's the only way we can really do it, right? Because there's so much noise in the digital space now.
0: Absolutely. And the attention span, I mean, that's what is sad, probably. The attention span is getting reduced. So you'll see that. Um, even the motivational videos there are one minute videos right you cannot share a story with one minute videos and you need interactions as well right Um, body language makes a big difference as well so as you very rightly uh, said you know uh, we need to sit with them we need to uh, express ourselves and most importantly tell the stories not just you know give some abstract talk
1: Staying with the power of words and, and thinking about the context of being inspired, is there is there a book that you you know has transformed your thinking or inspired you to take action towards your goals?
0: Yeah, there is an interesting thing here. I was actually um, I was doing a talk in one of the universities, and this is what I told them. Right, I had very very humble beginnings. My uh, my my dad was running a very small shop in a very small city. We were not from Bombay, so it was a very small city called Ranchi we couldn't I mean at that time there was no internet Um, and we couldn't afford to buy many books as well one of the things and I'll I'll go there the books before books because it's 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 information right at that time when I was growing up as a kid there were no supermarkets right there were small corner shops there we never used to call them corner shops as well anything that you buy from there right they were not pre-packed. they used to pack in uh Magazine papers. I don't know when it all started. I used to get very, very interested in what's there in those magazine papers. So I used to ask my, you know, uh, we used to live in a joint family. To my family, that don't throw them away, right? When you unpack all the, you know, grocery things in those, those used to be small uh, packs. Just keep them. And when I used to come back from school, I used to be very, very excited. I used to, you know, open them up because. It's, it's almost like, you know, in Google you have, I am feeling lucky thing, where you don't know what's <laughs> coming up. Yeah. I, I, the excitement was, I don't know what will be there, right? Sometimes yeah. it was some news uh, uh, article from, I, I, I still remember there was one from this magazine, Nature, right? That's the first time I knew that there's a science magazine called uh, Nature. Then there was one from Scientific American. Uh, so then I started to read anything and everything. Yeah. And then every single day my excitement was what will be there? yeah and I, 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 that actually created uh, some sort of uh, learning for everything and it's easy, right? It doesn't cost anything so that information is there. Now now it's even easier. you have Google information is free and then you click that uh, I am feeling lucky uh, and then you get some random information and then that actually is, actually made a big difference on me not just sticking to one subject on various subjects and because that helps in creating your uh, broader uh, perspective and also learning forever right i still do it um, now some of the other books after i had that eight page later i still remember i picked up a book which was an old book Um, it's called uh, flatland i think it's called flatland and the romance of the dimensions Uh, It was by a school teacher called, uh, I think, uh, Abbott. I don't remember the first name. That was a um, satirical novel from 1884. It talks about, you know, differences in society and uses uh, geometrical shapes, right? Two-dimensional, one-dimensional, shape. I understood it in a completely different way. I didn't pick that uh, kind of societal uh, satire. I picked it from, I started to relate it with uh, multidimensional space in physics, because I was studying studying physics there, and then that changed uh, my perspective of, and I started to like uh, quantum mechanics, and that book was the reason I studied quantum mechanics. The other one was 1988, when I received that eight page letter, the same year This book was released by Stephen Hawking, The Brief History of Time. I still remember I read back to back seven times the same book. Because, you know, I didn't treat it as some sort of scientific book. It was the most creative book that um, I thought um, existed. So these are the, not one book, but books. And also things, I don't know what to call those newspaper. I mean, sorry, magazine papers. They're not books. But again, the objective is same, right?
1: Yeah, I, I know that anyone listening to this who knows you will have a smile on their face thinking about a younger version of yourself running home from school to to find the latest uh, magazine to support your curiosity of what's to come, you know, that excitement, because that's definitely stayed with you and, and continued to to form who you are. So I think it's fascinating. I recently watched your TEDx video, which was titled Digital Me. And you talk passionately about the complex issue of privacy, security, and the advancements in technology. For the students that we're looking to help, they don't even exist in the digital world yet. And as we look to bring them into that world, how do you feel that we should be managing their experiences and their expectations as they take what is probably the biggest leap for somebody from not having the identity to having a double identity, as you 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 talk about in your TEDx talk?
0: They may start to get into some sort of uh, digital world, not exactly through how we see it, as I was saying that um, the kids that we are supporting uh, in the slums. Uh, they don't have laptops. They don't have any you know kind of other form of broadband or anything, but they have mobile phones as a survival tool, right? So that's their gateway to um, that to the digital world. So that's one way of looking into this as well. I mean, you don't need kind of really um, sophisticated things because the the digital world um, is very contextual, right? The way we see it, so I am accessing it from my laptop, right? But that doesn't have to be the only window. Um, I know if that window is there, that helps a lot. But the bootstrapping of that can happen through other means as well, like the survival tool, uh, mobile phone. And again, because my background is, as you know, is mobile, I'll probably talk about that. I might be biased as well. But what I believe is having some sort of identity will enable that digital inclusion as well. So the UNCRC uh, Article 8 says, every child has a right to identity. It doesn't talk about digital identity, but identity. But I can extend that as digital identity. Because if you don't have an identity, then you are excluded from many of the digital things that's happening. Because otherwise, you're just a number. So the identity and digital identity converts a number into a human. So it humanizes it. And that's why I am actually uh, passionate Mm -hmm. about uh, identity. And also, um, you know, the SDG, you were also involved when you were in GSMA the united nations sustainable development goal so the 16.9 says that every single individual on earth should have an identity by 2030 the irony is and again i, I mean this is linked to that digital inclusion um, that there are more than what, i think 1.1 1. 1 billion individuals mostly smaller kids in in southeast asia and in india and also in sub saharan africa they don't have any identity that is a barrier for them to get into any sort of inclusion, including digital inclusion. So I guess they are actually, probably they will feed each other when these, let's say kids will start to have some sort of identity, digital identity, for example, through their mobile phone, that will help them to get into included in the digital space as well, because then they will be humanized. They will not just be a number.
1: Yeah, it gives them a massive leg up. Um, You know, you reminded me of the Pakistan journey that we took in Case for Change, which was uh, all around digital identity and kids in this generation were being fast tracked to be included in the world because the mobile operators were giving them a way to register using their mobile phones to be recognised and to, to, to be able to go to school and vote and all those things. So. Yeah, really powerful things. And I'm a massive advocate for mobile as well. So I want to close out. I'm just really, really happy that we've been able to talk about some of these things. Can you share one positive message or quote that's inspired you throughout your life and continues to motivate you?
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Pritesh. Um, So one of the quote that has stayed with me. And again, uh, I realize now that a form of that has stayed from that eight page letter till now as well, is a quote from Steve Jobs. He said, or he believed rather, that uh, technology should either be beautiful or it should be invisible. What he was talking about actually is, that's what my interpretation is. He was talking about humanization of technology. So technology doesn't need to, you know, uh, even, even exist what you can touch or feel, right? Like this digital inclusion. Whatever is that, let's say, window, whether it is a mobile phone, a feature phone, or whether it's a laptop, or whether it's in the future, who knows what, right? Um, That doesn't need to be visible, because there is a human behind that, right? That human is the consumer or the user of that. So I believe that Steve Jobs was talking about, or almost explaining in the simplest form, like what, what, what he was best at. Was talking about humanization of technology. That's a code that has stayed with me. And it will stay forever. Yeah.
1: Thank you. That's that's brilliant. I just want to say thank you for not only your time today, but reinstilling the hope and just giving that a boost that of sunshine exists in all of our work walks of life. You yourself are one for the for the people that you're helping and, and for everyone that you shared your story with today. And also that it doesn't take much we're in such a transformative world that it's actually the simplest things that make the biggest impact so yeah i'm i'm really glad that you were able to to make this happen and just thank you again for sharing your thoughts and your stories this rays of sunshine series is linked to the rainbow boosters project where we're supporting underprivileged children by connecting them to the internet and the community to ensure that they don't get left behind in our digital world you could check out more at rainbowboosters.com all the links will be in the comments below, and the next episode will be with you in a few days. Thank you so much, Gotham, and I'll speak to you soon.
0: Thanks a lot, Pradesh. Thank you.